Hello, I'm delighted you can join us on Search for Truth. A warm welcome. Now, it's come as a bit of a shock to realise we're almost at the end of another year. It doesn't seem so long ago we were anticipating the millennium, with all the scare stories about computers crashing because of the millennium bug. Even Scotland's fire service achieved blue status in readiness for it in 1999, having spent two years in preparation. But the millennium has come and gone, and it'll soon be 2014. And the world events seem to move at a faster pace these days, or it might just be me as I get older. I'm John, and in a few moments I'll introduce Brian, our Bible teacher, with the first of what we've called three seasonal talks. So, for the next three weeks, in the run-up to Christmas and New Year, Brian will be bringing some fresh thoughts relating to Bible events, which we remember particularly at this time of the year. Please note, there's no booklet for these three talks, but I'll still give our contact address at the end of the programme in case you want to write in with a question or comment. Today's talk's called Transcendent Beauty, and here's Brian to tell us more. Thanks, John. Joshua Bell emerged from the metro and positioned himself against a wall beside a trash can, or as we would normally say in the UK, beside a rubbish bin. He didn't appear in any way to be out of the ordinary, a youngish white man in jeans and a long-sleeved T-shirt and a Washington Nationals baseball cap. From a small case, he began to remove a violin. He then placed the open and empty violin case at his feet and cunningly threw in a few coins as seed money. Then he began to play. For the next 45 minutes in the DC Metro on January the 12th, 2007, Joshua Bell played Mozart and Schubert as over 1,000 people streamed by, most of them taking very little notice. If they'd paid attention, they might have recognised the young man for the world-renowned violinist that he is. They might also have noted the violin he played, a rare Stradivarius worth over $3 million. Just three days earlier, Joshua Bell had sold out the Boston Symphony Hall with ordinary seats going for as much as $100. But in the subway, Bell collected about $32 from the 27 people who stopped long enough to give a donation. This was all done as part of a project which had been arranged by the Washington Post, who called it, and I quote, an experiment in context, perception and priorities, as well as an unblinking assessment of public taste. In a banal setting, at an inconvenient time, would beauty transcend? That was their experiment. That was the question they were trying to answer. And I guess they got their answer. In a sense, they were only confirming the answer given 2,000 years before, except that it was no mere experiment when heaven's king entered our world incognito. At that time, he exchanged the worship of myriads of angels for the worship of a few shepherds who walked into the cattle shed where he lay after his birth. We read the well-known words from Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, And Mary gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. Now, thinking back to our opening story about Joshua Bell appearing to beg on the streets, we'd have to say that one of the saddest sights at Christmas time is surely the sight of homeless people begging on the street corners. Some of us may give some change. But imagine someone who, instead of handing over a few coins, offers to trade his home for their cold street corner. Someone who, instead of giving a few coins, sits down on the street corner himself and hands over the key to his own home to them. In the event which we commemorate at Christmas, Jesus did literally come to live in our home with all of its suffering, with all of its sin and shame. And in the Bible, He shows us the home he's preparing for his followers, an eternal home where God will wipe away every tear from our eyes, where there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The way we accept this gift is with simple words. I'm sorry. Thank you. I'm sorry for the times I've hid from you, Lord. I'm sorry for the times that I've run away from you. I'm thankful that you didn't give up on me but were willing to make even the greatest sacrifice in order to be with me. I want to be with you too, wherever that leads, not only this Christmas, but always. But many, even today, are not attracted to the reality behind the Christmas celebration. They see no beauty in the Christ child that they should desire him. There's no change there then. That's been the way of the world for the past 2,000 years. Even long before that, Such a negative reaction was predicted by the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. We read in Isaiah 53, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows, unacquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. But some did see his beauty. Remember once again the experiment carried out by the Washington Post. It was to see if in a banal setting, and at an inconvenient time, beauty would transcend. Listen to the end of this reading from John's Gospel. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Yes, thank God, 
for the minority who had eyes to see beyond prejudice, for whom the beauty of God incarnate really did transcend, despite him arriving in such a meagre setting and amid such mean and lowly circumstances. Keep that in mind as we close today with an illustration similar to the one with which we began today. On London Bridge, there once stood alone and sad, a century ago, a poor elderly beggar. He scraped away wretchedly on his old miserable violin in the attempt to earn a few pennies from the passers-by, but no one seemed willing to listen or stop, and his poor old heart was down in his tollish boots and cold. Then a stranger passed along the bridge and stopped beside the poor old fiddler. Instead of the hope for penny, the stranger asked for the fiddle and said he'd help with a tune. The stiff, numbed fingers were glad to hand the old thing over and the new hands began to play a low, plaintive melody that made the first passerby stop and threw a penny in the old beggar's tattered hat. Then another stopped, another penny, and he lingered too. Then another, another, in the red heap of coppers in the old man's hat there now began appearing the white gleam of sixpences and shillings, and here and there the yellow glint of half-sovereigns and sovereigns. In a few minutes there was a thick crowd of thousands of people massing, more and more of them on the bridge. It's Paganini! It's Paganini! People began to whisper. It's the master player! In this case, beauty had indeed transcended. Feeling wretched with careworn, sin-infected hearts, we try to make melody in our hearts, just as the Bible says. But hardly anyone would give a penny for our thoughts most days. But what if we give our heart to Jesus, the master of our heart, who can truly make it sing? He specialises in repairing broken hearts. They're worth more than a million dollars to him. And even if no one else in the subways, or in the byways, or in the highways of earth should stop and listen, there will one day soon be a sell-out performance in heaven. I have a song that Jesus gave me It was sent from heaven above There never was a sweeter melody Tis a melody of love In my heart there rings a melody There rings a melody with heavenly harmony In my heart there rings a melody I do hope you enjoyed Brian's talk today and it's given you cause for thought and I do hope you'll consider afresh the reason for the season as the saying goes and that the melody of God's love will resonate in your own heart if you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal saviour. Now as I said earlier there's no booklet for these three seasonal talks that's for today and the next two weeks but there are back issues of titles which you might like to download via the internet or order through Amazon. 
I'll tell you how in a moment. But first, if you have a comment or question about today's program, here's our postal and email address: Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, LE5 6LN, UK. And now here's our email address: sft at churchesofgod dot info. Now, if you wish, you can download audio—that's MP3 versions—of some past programs on your computer. You go to www dot searchfortruth dot org dot uk. Now, this is our church website, where you can also access additional helpful material. Uh, some titles of Search for Truth booklets are also available at Amazon dot co dot uk forward slash Kindle. E-books. Just type "Search for Truth" series into the search box, where you'll find a growing list of transcript books from previous programs is available. So that's all we have for today. Thank you for being with us, and I hope you enjoyed today's talk. Please join us next week if you can. But till then, it's very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, our studio technician David, our musicians, and me, John. So goodbye. And may God richly bless you.